You know, my mind goes back to, uh, to some family gatherings. Every time you come to this, this time of year, um, you know, you, your mind goes back to, to times past. And um, I go back in my mind as I think about Christmas in a, in a very, I guess I would choose the word peaceful, in a precious, a precious memory. Um, my name is Lowell, by the way. I didn't say that earlier. I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here at Centerpoint. And uh, my father's here this morning. The original Lowell McDonald is here in the room. So wave there. There he is. There he is. Yeah, yeah. So good morning to you. I didn't know he was coming. But. So in my mind, I go back to the house I grew up in. In a peaceful Christmas morning. My mom was alive then, and my grandmother was down the road alive as well. <clears throat> Sorry. Peaceful times. Good memories. I sit there in the living room. I see my family around in my mind's eye. I see a tree. I see gifts. I didn't know my dad was going to be here this morning, so sorry. Christmas is a time of peace. It's a time of celebration, right? It's a time of joy. It's what God intends for us to have. Not not peaceful gatherings in a home, not not good meals and Christmas trees and gifts. As wonderful as those things are, as much as those are sort of glimpses of what God intends for us, God has much more in store for you in His Son, through His Son, Jesus Christ. When He came to earth, the angels cried out, peace, peace. And we call him the Prince of Peace. But I tell you, as I watch my TV this week, and as I watch the news, I'm not struck by peace. I don't see peace all around me. I see on December 2nd, a man and a woman walk into a Christmas celebration where 80 of their co-workers are and begin firing away. And how many teens, I don't know what the number was, but, but more than 10 people are killed and, and even more than that are shot and, and gravely wounded. And we say, Prince of Peace? Where is this peace? Where is this at? And I guess I wanted to, I wanted to start today as, I, as we talk about Christmas and peace and all of that. And, and I wanted to deal with this thing a little bit that happened in California because it was not a very peaceful week in our country. And I want to start today, before we move into looking in Luke and seeing the Christmas narrative, I want to start and ask the question, how are we as Christians to view these things that are happening? When there's a mass shooting, when there's, when there's trauma, when there's danger, when these things occur, how, what's the biblical worldview of this? How do we view this as believers? Now, I don't know where you go as an American. I don't know where you go as a, as a good, solid citizen of America. Maybe in your mind you run to a, we need a, a political leader who will fix things for us. Or, or maybe in your, your mind you run the, you know, the Second Amendment issue. We need to have more guns or we need to have less guns or all, all that kind of stuff. I don't know where you go there. And quite honestly, for now, I don't care. Because you may be a citizen of America, and that's great. I love our country. But more than that, we are citizens of heaven. So how do we, as citizens of heaven, respond to a lack of peace? It's a good question I think we need to wrestle through. 
And a few things come to my mind that when I see these events portrayed on the television screen, I'm immediately, I'm immediately struck with this idea. We need a Savior. We are so broken. Mankind is so wrong. We see the depravity of man portrayed in front of us all the time. We need a Savior. We need one to bring peace. Do we not? We need one to echo in, to, to, to usher in peace into a world that is running against God. And so when you see all this stuff there on the news and, and you're struck and, and it's just amazing, I want you to remember that it is God's way. Now listen, it is God's way to enter into a dangerous world and to bring peace. God is loving and God is able and it is His way to come in and bring peace. Now, let me just say, we're not going to see that to come to fruition on this earth. We're not going to see, if you're waiting for the culture, if you're waiting for the country, if you're waiting for the world to usher in peace and everybody get along and hold hands and sing kumbaya and, and stand in a circle, that's not coming. That's not coming. Not till the Prince of Peace is here. But meanwhile, He does bring peace to our lives. He is loving. He is able. Go with me, would you, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. And as you think about peace, and, and I want to challenge you to, to realize the peace that you are longing for is only found in Christ. It's not found in Christmas trees. It's not found in meals. It's not found in memories. It's not found in presents. That's not where it is. That's just, that's just a glimpse. That's just a shadow. That's just a peace. God has a much larger peace for us. And it's found in Christ. Go to Luke chapter 1 with me. Luke chapter 1. Remember what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Let me, in case you missed last week. What we're doing is we're looking at the Christmas narratives. Okay, We're looking at the Christmas story as, depicted, as, as recorded in Matthew and in Luke. And what we're going to do as we walk through these very familiar passages is we are taking this as an opportunity to study and learn about angels. About angels. Because they play a great part in the Christmas narrative. They usher in. They are the ones that point to Jesus. And so as we go through these narratives of what happened that first Christmas night, we're going we're to really focus our attention on angels. Last week we started into it, and we talked about that there's, the Bible describes an innumerable number of angels. That, that they are, there are tens of thousands of tens of thousands of angels. Myriads of myriads. Daniel says. There are many, many angels. And the angels, sometime in the past, were given the opportunity to worship God or not. Those that chose to worship God, we call them holy angels. Those that chose not to worship God, rebelled against God, we call them demons. The chief among those demons, of course, is Lucifer, Satan. But of the holy angels... We talked last week about Michael, and today we're going to talk a little bit about Gabriel. But really what they tell us, listen now, what these angels, what they reveal for us is they reveal a great deal about our God. Now listen, the Bible makes it clear that angels are real. 
You need to let that go ahead and soak into your brain. Over 150 times, the Bible talks about angels in real ways. 34 of the 66 books reference angels. It's found in all sections of Scripture. In the Old Testament, in all all three parts of the Old Testament, angels are referenced. In the Gospels, in the Acts, in the Epistles, in in the book of Revelation, angels are throughout. You cannot erase angels from your Bible and your Bible still be what it is today. They're all through Scripture. And they tell us a great deal about God. Last week we focused on three things. Today we're going to look at something else. We focused last week that what angels show us is that God is powerful. He is the Almighty God. And He made these angels that we don't really get to see, okay, very often. They're unseen to us, but they're there. We saw that they're relational They're relational. They actually reveal to us that our God is relational. That God desires relationship with us. And then thirdly, what we saw was that God is a God of good news. Well, today we're going to focus in on one really angel in particular, and that is the angel Gabriel. And we're going to see him as a servant of Christ. If Gabriel is the model for a servant of Christ then what should that look like in our lives? Luke chapter 1. Before I read this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, now center our minds, calm our hearts, prepare us to hear your word. We want to look to you now, the author of our salvation, the one who spoke and we existed, the one who loves us and has relationship with us, and Lord, the one who sends servants to do your will. May we see that now in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read 26 and following. It says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, the angel did, and said, Greetings. O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled. In strong words here. She's like shaking in her shoes. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, angels are real Creatures, they were made by God. 
By the way, humans don't become angels. It's one of the questions that I was asked through Facebook. Humans don't become angels. God created angels, an a innumerable number to us, but a, but a finite number to God. There's a limited number of angels. When humans die and depart from this world, they then go to judgment. Yes, it's boy and man once for die, and then to go to judgment, okay? And so that is true that we, we, we leave this world, but we don't become angels. No. You remain. All people, all people remain a human. All people. Those who have put their trust in Christ go as a, in a resurrected body, a fulfilled human, go into the presence of God forever. Not as angels, as a resurrected man or woman. Those who have rejected Christ, they too have existence. They don't become demons. They don't become angels. They remain humans in some form of a resurrected body. And they spend eternity in hell. Angel is not a destination for human. Humans do not become angels. Angels have already been created and are already established, whether they are holy or fallen. But here we have a special one, Gabriel. As I said last week, only two holy angels that are named in the Bible, Michael and Gabriel. And here we have Gabriel come with a mission. And what I want us to see today, here's where I'm headed in this, okay? I want us to see that Gabriel is arguably the example of a servant of God. If you ever wonder, what's it look like for you to be a servant of God? I don't think you can find a better example than this angel, Gabriel. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at Gabriel as almost like a test case. If God created one who was meant to serve him, what would that one do? Because he did. And his name is Gabriel. And we have right here in front of us what servants of God do. What they do. So verse 26, let's look at it. This sixth month, this angel sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And I want you to see that this angel Gabriel is sent from God. Sent from God, he says. And it, look what it says. I find it interesting. Sent to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a certain woman. A very specific person. Gabriel is sent by God to a specific place, to a specific woman. And he's sent by the Lord. You see, angels... Now, and I've got some of these references on your worship notes. I'm not going to have time to go to all of them. You can look at this up. You can look it up later. But angels primarily are, are busy about two things in their service of God. Isaiah 6 describes angels as worshipers. And Isaiah makes an effort to try to, to describe what he saw. Listen how he, how he, how he described this special uh, group of angels. Above him stood, above God stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now that goes beyond my comprehension of what's going on here. But Isaiah sees this angel and it's worshiping God. But that's not the only thing that angels do. They worship God, but they also serve God. They're called his ministers. And all ministry means is servant. Let me put a a verse up on the screen here. I think they've got this one. Psalm 103. Listen to this. 
The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. Now this isn't you and me. This is the psalmist describing the the word to angels. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. When we, are, when we are a servant of God, we are sent by him. And you have a specific place that you go, with specific people that you interact with, that I don't interact with, that I don't go. You see, God has us where we're at on purpose. That's the way that God operates. Let's go back to the passage and see more about these servants of God. Not only are they sent from God, as important as that is, they have a special mission. And it's one of communication. They communicate for God. A servant of God does. So this, this angel comes to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, very specific. The virgin's name was Mary, very specific. And he came to her and he said, now listen to what God communicates. Through an angel... He says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, what I want you to do here, for your own benefit, is allow this to strike you maybe fresh. Look what, get into Mary's shoes. And this angel of God, this one coming, sent from God to communicate from God, comes and speaks words to her. And look what, as we read, we're going to read it in a second, but I want you to see the feeling that God is communicating, the truth that God is communicating, the knowledge that God is communicating, the intimacy that God is communicating through his servant. We see the character of God in what his angel says. Look at it. Greetings. There's a greeting there. Oh, favored one. You are favored, Mary. The Lord is with you. You're not alone. You're not alone, Mary. You feel all alone. You're going to feel even more alone. What's coming? This is the word of God to one of his children. You are favored. You are not alone. He goes on, she's very troubled. The angel says in verse 30, don't be afraid. You don't have to fear. You found favor with God. God has a special place in his heart for you. This is what the servant of God communicates. See, troubled people hear now. Troubled people hear the care of God from the servants of God. Troubled people. They hear the care of God through the servants of God. You see, God isn't going to come to somebody. He's not going to come to your, you know, your neighbor or your co-worker. God is not going to appear to them and speak to them like this. He's not going to send an angel to your neighbor who lost somebody or who lost something and is now desperately troubled. But God is going to send a servant. He is going to send one. And that one is going to come and is going to communicate the care of God. 
And folks, we are that servant. This is the way of our God. This is the way of our Savior. He sends another. He sends another to communicate. You're sent by God. And you're sent to communicate truth to those who are troubled. But notice what the one who comes communicates. This is, this is of ultimate importance what's coming next. Because you can come to people and offer platitudes. Did you guys see? I don't have it with me. All guys have a picture of it. Can I get the picture? Did you guys see the uh, Daily News from the... uh, New York produces the Daily News, okay? Did you see the headline of the Daily News this week? Let me read it to you. God, this is on December 3rd, the day after the shooting in California, okay? It says, God isn't fixing things. That's the headline. God isn't fixing things. And then it goes on to say, as the latest batch of innocent Americans are left lying in pools of blood, cowards who could truly end the scourge that's happening continue to hide behind meaningless platitudes. And as you read the platitudes that the New York Daily News is sharing, you know what it is? Pray for people. Pray for people. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. The media says that our God is unable. And our prayer is nothing but empty platitudes. You see, we could come alongside. And if all you do is come alongside people who are troubled, because troubled people hear the care of God from God's servants. And if all you do is come alongside with empty platitudes, hey, I'll pray for you and walk away and offer no prayer and offer no truth. It's right. That is an empty platitude. But that is not what the servant of God, the angel Gabriel, did. That's not what he did. When he came to one who was troubled, notice what he does. He's sent by God. He communicates for God. But notice what he communicates. The next point, he points to the Son of God. Verse number 32, talking about the babe. Listen what the angel Gabriel now sent from God, who's only speaking on behalf of God. He says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is exactly what troubled people need to hear. This is what troubled people need to hear. Here it is. This is the outline of what all the troubled people you know, this is what they need to hear. Okay? Let's walk through and see what Gabriel said to Mary and take it as an example for us of what we need to communicate to people about Jesus. Number one is this. He says that Jesus is great. Jesus is great. He is worthy of worship. He's the creator. He's the maker. He is the sustainer, Colossians says. Jesus is the one who sustains. 
He's the one that keeps things spinning and working the way that he wants them to. You know why it is that water isn't going to roll over top of the hall, all the land and all the world? You know why that is? Because Jesus is going to prevent it. Do you know why it is that one day Jesus is going to come and rule on a kingdom here on earth? You know why? Because Jesus is going to do it. He is great. And we've got to communicate that to people. Because people don't want anything to do with Jesus, but we've got to tell them how great he is. Just as Gabriel did. But that's not what always said. Go back to the passage, verse 32. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. You know why he's so great? Because he's God. The God of the universe is coming, Gabriel said. What we say is, the God of the universe has come. He has come. There's only one. There's one mediator between man and God. The man, Christ Jesus. There's only one. And he's come. And the world needs him. And the world is starting to understand that. Will we tell them? And look what he says. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Now what does that mean? What did that mean to Mary when she was told that? Basically, when Mary heard that, what she understood was this. God is going to keep his promise. God's going to keep his promise. He promised that he would rule from the throne of David, and God is going to keep his promise. This is what the servants of God communicate. When they're sent by God, and they communicate for God and they point to the Lord Jesus Christ, what they say is, God's going to keep His promise. Well, I know people are being killed. I know that. I know that times may look bad. I got that. I know that things aren't going your way right now. I got that. But God is going to keep His promise. He is a promise-keeping God. Do you know the promises of God? I hope that you do. I, I know that you do. He's going to keep them. He's going to keep His promise to us. Immediately what comes to my mind is this. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That me and you, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for us. Your sin is separated from you as far as the east is from the west. God has taken that away. I know the promise that the Lord is never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. I know that to be true. Why? Because Hebrews 13 says it. I know that for all who receive him, he gives them the right to be called children of God. I know that because John 1 says that. These are promises from God. And God is a promise keeper. We have to know that. And we, servants of God, communicate that. They don't, they don't communicate. Oh, the world's gone, you know, horrible. It's, it's, there's, there's no hope. Woe is me. They know that God has a plan. And what that plan is, if you keep reading, verse number 33, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. See, a fourth thing that servants of God communicate is truth about the kingdom. Truth about the kingdom. Now, I'm getting really, you know, this is getting real spiritual here. This is getting real supernatural. I know that. I mean, look, what, look what's happening here. Let's just walk through. Let's just pause for a minute and realize what I'm doing here. 
Okay? I'm reading from a 2,000-year-old book that I believe is inspired of God. And I'm reading to you a narrative about an unseen, mostly unseen, typically unseen, let me say it that way, typically unseen angel who's now coming to a woman and speaking to her. I mean, that is, that is supernatural. That is far out. And what he's saying is, you're going to give birth to a child. You'll never have been with a man. And this child inside of you will be the son of God. Whew. You know, it's like, I'm getting more and more crazy as I go, right? This is getting farther and farther out. And let's just wrap another layer onto this thing. And this child will now grow in years, and he will die, and he will be resurrected, <laughs> come back from the grave, come back from the dead, that is, out of the grave, ascend into heaven, and then one day, another layer, he will return to earth and will establish a literal kingdom on earth where he will reign for all of eternity. Man, you talk about far out. You talk about unbelievable. You talk about just unfathomable what, 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 the, what the story of the gospel is. It is completely unbelievable. I mean, this is, this is beyond fairy tale. This is beyond me making up some story to wow my friends. This is beyond grasping with human mind. This is beyond accepting just as I am. The only way that this is ever received, the only hope that there is that you and the people that you contact could ever believe this is if God does a work. The Lord works in a person's heart and is, in a way, whispers in their ear and says, this is is true. It's true. Say, so why, why do you go through all that? Because on my own, if I've got to communicate the truths of the gospel, if I've got to sit down across a, a coffee table from somebody and share what I've already said to you, and I've got to rely upon me to convince them, I get to rely upon me to have a valid argument that they'll say, yes, why, that's quite logical that all that happened. I will receive your Jesus. If I'm counting on that, I'm not saying a word. I sit in silence, in fear, and in trembling, I don't say a word. So what do I do instead? I step out by faith. I proclaim the truth of the gospel as God has laid it out in His Word. I proclaim the truth that Jesus is going to establish a kingdom and He will rule from that kingdom. And when the kingdom is here and the king is on the throne and He is running all of the worlds, there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more murder. There'll be no more violence. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more sickness or heartache. There'll be no more catastrophe. No one's life will be snuffed out from some horrible thing. This is not going to happen anymore because the kingdom of God will be here and sin will be dealt with and it will be finally erased from our existence 
and the king will rule on the throne. You communicate that. That's what servants of God communicate. They communicate a message that is foolish to the perishing. The cross of Christ is foolish to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Servants of God point to the Son of God, not themselves. I'm struck by Gabriel. He never once says, Hey Mary, look how shiny I am. He never says, watch this trick, whoom, and shows her some, you know, magic trick or something. He doesn't ever look at his wings, okay, doesn't do any of that. The whole time, he's pointing to Jesus, pointing to Christ. See, that's what a servant of God does. Okay, next thing I was going to say here, but I'm running out of time. I'll just put it up on the screen. He mag- the, this servant of God, and, and we need to do the same, he magnifies the greatness of God. All through that, he's, he's, put, he's shining the light on God's glory. Revelation 5. Revelation 5. I think I might have that up on the screen. Verses 11 and 12. Hear what it says. It says, All I heard around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Servants of God magnify Christ. Okay, verse 35, there's kind of a change here that happens. There's a, there's a, little, bit of a, there's a little bit of a break, okay? And, and I like this, and, and it's very comforting for us today because we're going to see that, that servants of God, and in this case, the Gabriel angel, the angel Gabriel, that is, has a very specific role that he, that he fills. Verse number 35. 34, Mary says, how can this be? In verse 35, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, is going to have a baby. The thing that strikes me here is not only do the, the servants of God, not only do they magnify God, not only do they point to the Son of God, they communicate for God, they're sent by God, but they have a very horizontal role as well. A very horizontal role as well. I want you to see that servants of God also care for the children of God. They, ch- they care for the children of God. Mary, at this point, can you, can you get into her shoes? She's afraid. She knows what this will mean in her culture. Unwed mother? She could be stoned for this. She would very least be ostracized, will be, will be held at a distance from all of her community. And she knows that. And God sends an angel to care care. Look at Hebrews 1, verse 13 and 14. It's up on the screen, I believe. It says, are they, and it's angels here, from verse 13 you get that God is talking about the angels here, are angels not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? 
You know what this means? See, angels blow your mind. Angels care for us. Angels have some role where God uses them to minister to us. People ask me, do we have a guardian angel? And I know what they mean by that. They mean like Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life or something, right? Is that his name, I think? I don't know. Yeah, that's what, they, that's what they think. That's what they're asking. And I would say, if you're thinking that, no. But do you have a guardian angel? No. You have thousands and thousands. Thousands and thousands of angels that God uses to minister to us. Oh, what, is he, what do these angels do? I can't tell you. All I know is they minister to us. To this one, Mary, this angel came and encouraged her. You see in Acts 27, an angel came to Paul and encouraged him. Do angels prevent damage coming our way? I don't know, maybe. Do angels guide us in some way? Maybe, I don't know. I can't tell you. All I know is what that says. That they are ministering spirits and they are sent by God to minister to those who are going to inherit salvation. There is some dynamic where God uses these supernatural beings to come alongside and to minister to us. You know what that says to me? It doesn't say worship them. It doesn't say be awed by them. It doesn't say look for their hand. It says worship this God who made them and who loves us enough to care. To care for us. Now, I find it remarkable that this angel, again, is speaking of the Son of God. He will be called, verse number 35 at the end, this child to be born, will be called holy. The Son of God. Because, see, here's what all servants of God, including this angel... All servants of God have this common trait. They all do this one thing. They all spur others to serve God. You see that? And you see in Mary's reaction, verse number 38, and Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. All angels, all they're about is worshiping God and serving people. And their whole purpose, their whole purpose is to direct us towards Christ. So much so that, that look at this passage. This is from Revelation chapter 22. What happened is, John, the, the, the author of the book of Revelation, you see, God used an angel to communicate to him what he wrote down. And at, at the end here, he, he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. Did you catch that, what John said? John himself was so moved by what he saw, he fell to the ground to worship. Huh. Angels are unseen, typically unseen. If we saw them, we we may be like John, just almost drawn to even worship them. But look at the reaction of the angel. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant. Hmm. 
with you and your brothers and prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. And then he says, worship God. Folks, this is the message of the servants of God. This is it. This is what servants of God say. This is what servants of God do. This is what servants of God are sent to do. You and I are servants of God. And we have this example of Gabriel showing us what a servant of God does. And all a servant of God does is point to him. Point to God. Will you worship him today? Are there angels here? I don't know. I suspect there are. You need to know they're watching. Daniel calls them watchers. You know that? In the book of Daniel, angels are called watchers. And 1 Peter says that they long to look into. It's as if they they long to understand our salvation. And so if angels are here in this room, if that's the case, all they're doing is watching and hoping and, and desiring for us to worship God. Because that's what we were made to do. Like them, we were made as worshipers. And if you come through Jesus Christ today, and see the, the truth that you need Jesus and receive what he has, what he has done, you can now worship him and finally fulfill your design and worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible has much to say about angels. But all angels have to say is Jesus. That's it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this truth, and I, I ask you, Lord, to allow us to worship you today. Lord, we want to, we want to praise you. We want to worship you. Father, I pray that, um, that we recognize that it's only through Christ that we can do that. So, Lord, we come to you now. We look forward to the day when you will come, when you will set up your kingdom. But until that time, Lord, we worship you in spirit and truth. We come through Jesus, and we say... You are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.